Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jessica Stevens. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of I Just Blank Now What? The podcast. So grateful for all of my subscribers who come back each and every week to hear another really amazing, inspiring story from our awesome guests. And if you're new to the show, welcome, welcome. So grateful that you found us by (laughs) whatever means that was. And I hope you really enjoy these Now What? Wednesday stories that we share of people who have had life come at them and they needed to figure out how to move forward and figure out what to do uh, after that. So this week on the show is no different. We have an amazing story from a wonderful guest who is sharing her story of picking up her life and moving across the Atlantic to Canada and being an immigrant. And I really, you know, resonated with her story. Obviously, my husband uh, not being from Canada, too, and we had to go through the whole process of moving him here. Um, But also with what's going on right now in the world and the conflict in Ukraine and Russia and how many people have been displaced and have had to pick up and move from their homes and relocate across borders, across the ocean, across continents, and have become refugees. And obviously, this is, you know, not a unique situation to Ukraine and and Europe, but refugees from across the world and so many areas of conflict have been um, going on for decades. And I just, you know, really reflect on what that must feel like for people who are forced from their homes and, and must relocate and pick up their whole life and go to this new place and what it feels like to settle in a new home, have to learn a new language, a new culture, a new community, you know, all of that. And so I'm really grateful for Maggie for coming on on the show and sharing her experience of being a new immigrant and what it was like for her. You know, she was not uh, a refugee. However, she definitely, you know, struggled as well as, as someone coming to a new, new country. And so I'm really grateful for her for sharing her story. So without further ado, let's have you uh, meet Maggie. She is an international business and leadership coach, and she gives service-based entrepreneurs clarity and tools to exceed their business goals and transform into high-performing CEOs in their business. Maggie is the host of the Diamond Effect podcast, and she currently lives in Canada in the Toronto area with her blended family of four kids, and she loves spending time in nature, traveling, reading, dancing, and really good food. So without further ado, let's get to the now what? Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for your story and the conversation that we're going to have. Obviously, I just read your bio off to everybody, but I always like to have guests share a little bit about themselves in their own words. What would you like the people to know about you, Maggie? 
Oh, there is so much. <laughs> We're not going to go into all of that. <laughs> you know, I'm a business coach, business mm-hmm. and leadership coach. I'm a mom in a blended family of four kids. I'm an immigrant to Canada. Yeah. I'm originally Polish. And the most important turning points in my life have been preceded by very scary decisions that definitely found me thinking, okay, now what? I made that decision and it was scary and now what? But at the end of each one, it turned out to be a good decision and it took me where I am now, which I'm very happy with. So I guess that's it. Well, that's a perfect segue because that's what we're going to talk about today is some of those decisions that you made, you know, way back in your past that have led you to where you are today, not even physically, actually, because your story is, I just moved to a new continent. Now what? So I'm really excited for you to kind of go back and share that immigration story of moving from Poland to Canada. And Mm -hmm. what was that like for you? And all kind of the steps that you went through and, and some of the challenges, because right now as you know we're recording this podcast Mm -hmm. there is a massive displacement happening Mm -hmm. with the ukrainian russian conflict and so many Mm -hmm. people are fleeing ukraine and moving you know the prime minister just announced the other Mm -hmm. day that they're going to be opening up refugee opportunities to make it easier for people to come to canada from ukraine Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i think the timing of this conversation is spot on. So I'm really excited to hear your perspective of what it feels like for you to move across the continent. Obviously, your circumstances are likely a little bit different than today, but still some some same challenges I'm sure you face. So take Mm -hmm. us back to Maggie in Poland all those years ago and and what led you to decide to pick up and move to Canada. Yeah. And you know what, just before I do that, just on the conflict, I think our prime minister is in Poland this week or there will be at some point because Poland is receiving the majority of Ukrainian refugees, not just because of the border closeness, but also because of Thai connections between many Polish people and Ukrainian people. Because we used to share some land before World War II, and my grandparents actually come from some Ukrainian areas that used to be Poland. And they got forced to move after the war from those areas into the Western Poland, which used to be German and its whole like European history. Anyhow, so for me, definitely, you know, I wasn't a refugee. It was a choice, but it wasn't a choice that I planned for, let's say, for since I was young or forever. And, you know, just as you were talking about it, I remember at the university, I spent a year being in a dorm, like living in a dorm with three other girls. And there was one that played into like palm reading or some like future prediction, whatever. And she was doing that one for me and one for my best friend from university. And she was like telling me, you know what? I see you in the future somewhere in North America, probably US. And I was like, what is she talking? I never even consider immigration. I was like, nope, I'm staying in Poland. I love Poland. It's one. And then for my other friend, she was saying, well, I'm seeing you in France. And it was funny because her French at that time was still wasn't fluent. She was like working hard at university to pick it up. And if you think about me, I had more probability to end up in France because I have some family. I was fluent even more than in English at the time. And like the, the, the whole prediction of her seemed like 
not crazy. possible. Crazy, <laughs> like literally. But anyhow, you go on with your life. And then as I graduated and I started, I did um, started working. But at that time in Poland, the unemployment was actually very high. It was where Poland was going through economical changes after the communist regime and the government was working hard restructuring the economy mm -hmm. to get us on the path to hopefully join European Union and so on. And that came with a cost, right? And one of those was high unemployment. But, you know, I lived in a big city. I finished good studies, university, I spoke English, I spoke French. So I had jobs, but I was making like 300 bucks a month, you know, 400 bucks a month. And Poland is not that much cheaper than North America. And I had this big dream of, you know, owning a house and being able to travel and not just live to pay bills and eat. Right? Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So then I was like, damn it, you know, I'm killing myself here. And like, you barely survive. And I was at the same time, I was still doing like a postgraduate weekend school of translation and interpreting English, Polish, Polish, English. And that's where one of my friends there said like, hey, have you ever considered immigrating to Canada? Because they have this great skilled worker program and you speak English and French, which are, you know, official languages. You should look into it. And I started thinking, I was like, yeah, maybe that wouldn't be that bad. And my partner at the time, who we married, he had a family in Canada, here in Toronto. I didn't know them. I've never met them. I actually met them once during our wedding for like an hour. So I really never met them. But, you know, that would, there was like a little bit of a connection, right? Yeah. So I started looking into the skilled worker protocol and what it meant. And I was like, oh, there's points. Okay. I started counting the points. I'm like, hey, like we could actually qualify. Like we, you know, we get the points. So we talked about this and we talked to his family in there and they were like, yeah, you know, we don't have a lot of family here. It would be great if you came. It's always like feels better, right? Where you actually have. Connection. So we applied. Yeah. I was the main applicant because you apply like you're one person and then you can bring yes. others, yeah. right? So I was the main applicant. We applied a year and a half later, which was fast, apparently. Sometimes it can take three years, but it was me being like, once I decide on something, I'm pretty like dog on the bone, right? So, yeah. hey, your rule says three months and I have no reply. I'm going to email you, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Immigration Ms. Man. Canadian <laughs> embassy saying, where's my application? <laughs> What's going on? So it's pretty much on their back to mm -hmm. the, you know, timeline. So maybe that kind of sped up some. <laughs> Good for you. Immigration can feel like a dark abyss where you're like, yeah. submit. And then you're like, mm -hmm. where are we in the process? And it just says processing. Yeah. Right. You're like, what does that mean? So yeah, you definitely need to be on them. You need to follow up. Yeah. You need to kind of be that annoying person who's like, tell me the yeah. status of my file. Yeah. 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 So that was that annoying person. <laughs> What's going on with my file? And a year and a half later, you're like, yep, you're accepted. Here's your permanent residency. You have six months to make the move. And at that time, fun fact, I personally actually never flew a plane before because 
A, we couldn't afford it, whether it was with my parents before or with my mom or then. And most, so then most of the travel, I did travel in Europe, but most of it was by car, by coach, you know. Yeah. Well, that's the best hours. part about Europe is that everything is kind of so close yes. that you can get yes. anywhere yeah. via a train or driving. Yeah. Here yeah. in North America, not so much. That's what I discovered. <laughs> but yeah, so packed up the bags, you know, you're allowed like a couple of bags. We didn't own much, like I didn't have an apartment or mortgage, no nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Like just a little bit of stuff that you either left because it wasn't that valuable or you sold what you could. And, and then we moved and yeah, never been to North America before at all. You know, Canada, I didn't even know, like in US, you watch the movies, so you kind of know how it looks. You, you don't watch Canadian movies in Poland, not that much. Right? So I had no idea how things would work, how things would look. Like, as you say, you come in and you realize, oh, I can't function without a car here, right? Or, oh, like, which store do you go to? Because they're not the names you know and things yeah. like that. So that's definitely an interesting part when you move into somewhere you've never been before or you don't know much about even you know mm -hmm. sometimes yeah so what time what what season did you arrive in canada was it spring winter fall it was actually late spring end okay. of may okay and it good was time. starting good time to arrive <laughs> i know my current husband he arrived like i think almost in the winter <laughs> He's from south of France, wasn't fun. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was a good time, but it was one of the summers that was super humid and super hot. And okay. that I didn't expect. So that was like, I remember because I was a big walker, right? So I would say, oh yeah, like we walk in Poland everywhere. I'm going to walk to places. And I remember walking to, I think a library, maybe to apply for some jobs. And it wasn't that far. It was maybe 20, 30 minutes from where I stayed. I almost passed out. <laughs> <laughs> in that humid like super heat of yeah. and it was early because it was june so early like super heat and i couldn't believe how it could feel like poland could get hot in the summer but we don't have that humidity mm -hmm. that makes it like very hard <laughs> wow okay so you're here and now the job hunt begins as you said you were going to the library to apply for jobs what was that process like for you it was interesting, but again, I did get lucky, I guess. So I did start applying for job, going to the library, looking through. I was bilingual, right? So I spoke English and French. Now they weren't as fluent as they are now. I was more advanced where I understood everything. I could carry conversation, but I couldn't necessarily express my personality. I couldn't joke in those languages, right? There's a difference between like being fully fluent where you can just like think in the language and express your full personality and being advanced where you carry a conversation, but you're still sort of restrained because you don't have that limited fluency. vocabulary. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. I love that definition of can you joke in the language? And if you can do yeah. that, then you know, you're fluent at that point. Oh, that's a, that's a good indicator. <laughs> Yeah, so I was applying for jobs and, you know, a lot of bilingual jobs are actually a lot of agencies actually post those jobs. So I would have like calls with agencies. They're like, yeah, yeah, you have some good experience, but you don't have Canadian experience. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm new. So that, that's, that's what I'm hoping you're going to help me that, with, right? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. But ultimately, so the family, you know, of my ex-husband, where we, where, where we stayed, 
his uncle worked for a company, a facility management company that had like a call center for the clients that always looked for bilingual people. They were always looking because, you know, it's not as easy to finance one. So he reached out to the manager there at the time and said, hey, like I have this young Polish girl without much Canadian experience, but she speaks languages, she's willing. Would you be able to look at her resume? Which they did. And the, the manager, the lady that later became my Canadian mom, as I call her, <laughs> actually, you know, look and saw past the fact that I didn't have Canadian experience, but I had some relevant experience in Poland, brought me to a couple of interviews through the interview process, and I got the job in a call center, which was, I think that was like the best thing ever because it forced me to speak English. Mm -hmm. all the time, all day long, eight hours or more in a day, practice, practice, practice. It forced me to even get to learn the Canadian French. And I learned it like the Parisian way. So trying to understand and not even like people from Montreal, but people deep in Quebec or in New Brunswick Mm -hmm. was a challenge. I have to say that's easy. It's like a whole different language, right? Yeah. Like the accent and the way they put. So that was like the best thing ever forcing me throwing me in that environment. And then I grew actually my corporate career in facility management from there. I was lucky to have like the most amazing manager, the lady who hired me, and she was my manager for not all my career, but many years, Mm -hmm. who nurtured me and mentored me and taught me the Canadian jokes and was patient enough with me to, you know, when she was suffering, I'm going to nuke your coffee. And I was looking like a deer and I had like, what? You're going to like kill me or something? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Where she would explain what that meant and had a lot of fun with it as well. So she was joking about it too. I ended up uh, having a fairly long career, I think uh, 16 years, a corporate career in that industry. Wow. Okay. Yes, you are definitely one of the fortunate ones who Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was able to take literally the only connection you knew here and have that translate into an opportunity that led you to somewhere that forced you to practice your skills over and over again all day. And that one Mm -hmm. person who just became your Canadian mom, as you said, and mentor, Mm Sometimes all it, all it takes is just one. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know what, it's so true. And that really stuck with me because it's not like passed on through me. And I didn't realize that. I realized that from the beginning. But then when I was in position, when I started leading people and I started hiring people and so on, I was always looking to give somebody a chance as well. And whether they were immigrant like me who came in a new country and had skills, but just needed a chance, or whether it was somebody who maybe was Canadian, but just needed a chance in a corporate world and they were coming from retail, whatever, it doesn't matter. Because when you do have that person who believes in you and takes a chance, those were always my best employees, like by far, by far. Yeah, an amazing lesson right there, right? Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. to be a good leader, you need to have compassion for Mm -hmm. the person in front of you and see beyond what's maybe on the paper Mm -hmm. and -hmm. just kind of dig a little bit and help foster some of that growth in them because you have no idea, you know, what their potential is based on their 
circumstance, right? Yes. Quote unquote. Yes. Like, I wish more leaders kind of took that lens of, hey, what if I was brand new to this country and knew no one and just literally needed someone to mm -hmm. even have a conversation with me? Mm -hmm. Would people be more open um, to being that person and, and showing compassion to the other to the other yeah. person on the other side of the desk, right? And I would say they would find so many amazing people to work for them and, you know, help them mm -hmm. grow and succeed. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. Amazing. So, well, life, pro your life changed dramatically when you moved to Canada, obviously. It did. Professionally as well as personally. Yes. So you referenced your ex-husband and your mm -hmm. new husband. Mm -hmm. So what changed for you in your personal life after you got here and got settled? So, you know? Yeah, like I think after we got in or settled. So my first husband was, you can call it a high school sweetheart, but mm -hmm. not exactly. We didn't come to the furry. We didn't go to the same high school. We met actually at like a nightclub. <laughs> and, but but you knew each other time, from when you were young. You were yeah, teenager. Yeah, okay. Like in Poland, you can actually go to a nightclub officially when you're 18. But then when you look a bit older and so on, like you can get in or you, you used to, I don't know now, but you used to be able to get in when you're like 17 and so on. So that's my times, right? Then, you know, when we came and it wasn't necessarily the circumstance of being in Canada. I think it was just a circumstance of, hey, when you're young, the the way you think about yourself and what you need is very different as you mature and grow. And I think we just grew apart. We were best friends, but they not a marriage, right? There is a difference mm -hmm. between being best friends with your partner, but also husband and wife than just being best friends. So we sort of grew apart where I started realizing that, you know, I didn't want to continue like this. And, you know, maybe it's me. I'm a Sagittarius. I don't like to settle for things that are okay, but not good enough. At some point, I'm like, no, I can't do it like this. I can't lead my life just settling and just being okay or being like half content with what I do. Oh, is that a trait of Sagittarians? I didn't I know, know that. Maybe. And I'm married to one. So this is why okay, making so much sense to me right now. <laughs> maybe. There you go. There. Maybe. Maybe. Oh. But I always, I'm blaming the Sagittarius thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Love I'm it. a Sagittarius. Probably that. So I was realizing that it just wasn't what it needed to be anymore. And, you know, maybe I could have done better. Like I, I took the blame on myself, like, you know, you can do better and so on. And it didn't work out, whatever. And I decided to ask for divorce. And it was hard as hell for many reasons. One, because again, our relationship wasn't bad, right? So it's not like we were fighting or it was abusive and so on. And so you being the bad person, hurting somebody you care about no matter what is super hard doing it when you don't have any support around you it's even harder because the whole social circle outside from my work which i didn't have a lot because i used to just in corporate world i actually never network so i was just like go do my work and then come back to spend time with friends and family the whole social circle i had to that point was my ex-husband's family or their friends 
Okay. Yes. So. What happened? <laughs> I was the one saying, "Hey, it's not what? working anymore yeah. for me. I think we need to split this marriage and so on." I was you, left. You became alone. persona non grata very quickly. Very quickly. And had nobody except for my Canadian mom, who was my manager at the time, to go and cry my eyes out in person. Yes, I had my mom and my sister across the Atlantic saying, how can we help you? My dad wasn't so happy about it. So my dad, it's a whole different story. (laughs) Yes. My dad was, what the hell are you doing? Doing. This is such a great family. You You don't do this. You don't do this. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to talk to you. The only thing that kept us talking was actually my grandfather passing away very quickly after I told my family Mm -hmm. and my dad sort of feeling a little bit like motivated through that to keep in touch with me. And then his partner, because my parents are divorced. So his partner helping me on like the sidelines. (laughs) So the irony there of your dad being like, what are you doing? Why are you leaving him? But he and your mom were no longer together. I know, right? (laughs) You would think that he learned something and he was the one asking for the divorce just to mention <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. yeah. All right. That's a whole other conversation for That's another a whole day. Other conversation. The daddy daughter, you know, bond yeah. and relationship. But, you thing. know, like this is this. Here's my perfect daughter, who's just perfect. He, she never does anything bad and anything, you know, outside of ordinary. Making she, this huge. She's literally blowing up her life. Blowing up my my. He's ideal, right? right. Got it. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you had your Canadian mom and that's it. And that's it. But you know what? In a way, like that's what I hold on to. And that was enough to just go and cry my eyes out and so on. Because again, it doesn't matter. Even if you're making the decision, you're still human. You feel for the other person. You know, you're hurting them. You're hurting because again, it's a relationship you've been for many years that you're attached, like those feelings don't pass from one thing to another, like especially in a, you know, fairly okay relationship. It was just like the worst year of my life, I have to say. Like how far uh, in how far into you moving into Canada did this happen? About three, four years. Yeah. So my next question is, is how does this impact your immigration status? Because obviously you were the primary applicant. He was your partner you were citizens by then oh you were citizens okay perfect we were citizens like great thing about Canada so it was a little bit more over three years because I think you need to be three years in Canada to apply so that was like within a few months after that so at least you were smart enough to wait until your paperwork (laughs) cleared before blowing up your life right no I don't think it would matter because when you're a permanent resident you're legally in Canada forever the only thing you can do is vote federally Right. So I don't think it would matter. I just didn't know if his immigration was obviously now tied to you because you could come over as a couple. Yes and no. It's the application that was tied. But then we were we got our permanent residency at the same time. So it wasn't like I was a permanent resident. He wasn't. We were both through that application. So, yeah, it wasn't. It wouldn't. I don't think it would matter. But, yeah, we were. All right. But you were still fairly new to the country, you know, three or four years in. And as you said, you hadn't really tuned into the whole concept of networking. (laughs) So your circle had really just been shrunken down to this one person. So what'd you do? 
What did I do? So, well, again, I was leaning on my manager and then her manager, like people, like three women or two that I knew. And I was working, like I was actually, you know, it, even though I think I was depressed at that time, but, you know, I didn't end up clinically you know, being helped or whatever, but it was some sort of a short-term few months depression. Mm-hmm. You're going through the motion, like you're starting the motion, you're going through it, right? So now it's a matter of getting a divorce and so on. And I have to say that ours went fairly easy in a sense where we didn't drag it to court. We agreed. We actually had a house. We bought a house together. It was a brand new build. We had a house. We decided on split fairly, you know, 50-50. Um, I will share a story without the house because that was fun. In the like down market when you can't sell it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were just going through the motion. And the one thing that was keeping me is just going to work. Because I had nowhere to go anyways, right? I, it's not like I couldn't like call and sick and then where would I go? What would I do? Sit in the house, you know, that reminds you of everything. So just doing the work. And whenever I wasn't feeling the best, talking to my manager or her at that time or calling family just going through and that's what it was that's I don't remember a lot from it like it's one of this dark blurb that you really don't remember a lot so yeah so the house we put it on sale and we couldn't sell it it wasn't like now where the houses are going like a day and you know hot hot market yeah hot market over the price it was actually hard to sell So after a few months, I decided, okay, well, we can't drag it like this. I really wanted that split where we could just be separate, like live separately, because up to that point, we were living in the same house, you know, so you're meeting. So I went out to the bank at that point. I don't remember which position I was in, but I was in like a lower management position, right? So whatever I was making some five figures, but whatever. So I went to the bank and I figured out that I could buy my ex-husband out that I could take the mortgage under me and then take the money buy him out we decided on the price and then try to sell it again but have a place to stay where it's just me which I did that and in the fall I sold the house I managed I changed the agent and I managed to sell it where I didn't make any money but I didn't lose any money because you know the lawyers are expensive <laughs> you have to that you need to pay like even just yeah, even closing if costs pay. and all the things yeah yeah and then you know you need money even when you're uncontested divorce so it still costs money it's not as expensive but it's still having stuff prepared and so on yeah it took me like a good few years to be even able to talk about it the fact that we're talking about it, it's probably like the first public interview i'm ever doing about it without like crying yeah, and feeling I'm still a bit emotional, but I'm not to the point where I can't talk about it. It took me, I think at least five years to shed the guilt and say like, you know, it's not fair to even the other person to pretend you're happy and drag something that doesn't work. Even if it's you feel that and maybe they don't feel it right away, but ultimately they would as well. I truly believe that down the road it would and or pretend in the relationship like imagine we had kids and then it's like even worse we didn't have kids at the time right Mm -hmm. so so like me realizing that and really not shedding the guilt it took yeah took a good five years at least to like 
get out of it. Now I got out of depression faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like just really feel okay with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Being able to move forward. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I always like to ask all my guests this question is now what? You've moved to Canada, you've started this new career, you've left your high school sweetheart husband, and you are literally starting your new life again on your own. What did that look like for you? We're for me again, lucky or not. <laughs> I met my husband pretty fast at work. <laughs> my new one, <laughs> my current husband, and probably the last one. Okay. <laughs> And maybe, you know, this relationship, it's funny how it goes, because when you're older, I guess the relationships can go faster. Like when you're young, you're dating forever and you're not sure and all that. Whereas with my current husband, it wasn't that case. Like we met and it went pretty fast from us being together, living together, buying a house together, and then starting the family, even without like a formal relationship, we did get married, but it was after actually we decided to have have first child like our daughter and then we decided okay well maybe we get married it wasn't as traditional as the first one <laughs> that really created that family like having a true family you know mm -hmm. with the kids created that like home for me and kind of and feel like and don't get me wrong I really love Canada I never regretted moving I'm not one of those immigrants that sits and say wow but in my old country this is better no like I decided to move. This was my choice and I'm Grateful. enjoying it and I yeah. love it and I truly love it. But then being in Canada and loving it and feeling anchored, having a family and starting kids and so on, I think that was this for me where it was like, yeah, now I'm truly anchored. My kids are Canadian. They're not. Well, that was what I was about to say. Is they're the, not the French. The switch was probably like you made Canadian babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're Canadian. <laughs> that really anchors somebody to a country yeah. by, yeah. you know, um, creating life in it. For sure. Wow. Yeah. What a journey. And I know it was definitely not easy. There were many struggles along the way, but you also identify how, you know, blessed you were to have some key mm -hmm. pivotal opportunities, mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. make the transition a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So for someone else out there listening who is contemplating picking up and moving to not just another city or country, but just like mm -hmm. picking up and moving across the world uh, to another continent, what advice do you have for them? What do you say would be like three or four key things that they need to keep in mind when making this decision of literally picking up your whole life and moving? You know what? The first decision is believe your intuition. Whatever decision you make, there isn't ever a perfect decision, right? But whatever your decision you make, you can make it right for yourself. If you believe in the reasons why you're doing that this is the best for you and you commit to it, you can make it right. You can make it the best for you ever. So definitely have courage and if you're already considering it you have that courage it's just taking that first step right now of course i have to say it was so much easier if you're moving to another country knowing the language would be great <laughs> Bonus. it's so much easier but there is also so many 
immigrants that didn't know the language and they still succeeded and they were still successful, it's just much harder, right? Because then you need to not only figure out the country and find the work, but also learn the language and so on. So if it's possible, know the language so much easier to faster understand how the country works, how people work, you know, find your way Mm -hmm. around it. The second thing is network. Just (laughs) learn from what I didn't do, right? Learn from what I didn't do and sign yourself up. There is so many, like even in Canada, right? There's so many organizations, whether they're nonprofit or government that welcome new immigrants that allow you. And now with Zoom, there's so many networking opportunities Mm -hmm. that you can do, right? With Eventbrite and Meetup and, you know, I do networking now for my business, but it doesn't have to be. It can be just network, Facebook groups, like there's so many things where you can actually meet people where you're going to stay around you because people are amazing. Like people want to help and then you will find people who will be able to help you, even if it's just advice or directing you somewhere and so on. So network, (laughs) don't rely on one person that, you know, just go out there, create that, that support for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, I guess, don't give up. Like, it might be challenging. It might be harder. Again, every story is different. It might be, there will be days when it could be harder and so on. But if, again, if you truly believe that the decision you made is the right one for you, you will come out on the other side, mm-hmm. you know, um, successful. And in, in, thanking yourself that you did that because I truly believe you know the family that I have now I couldn't be more happier you know Mm -hmm. the decisions that I made to even leave my corporate job not that long ago and start my business it couldn't be better as hard as it was as scary as it was it's just the right thing for me so persevere and take the steps forward even if you don't see the light in the tunnel it's there yeah it's there Do you think that picking up and moving and going through what you went through when you first arrived and the challenges actually helped you walk away from your corporate job to start your business? Yeah, it did. It definitely did. Because when I was thinking about it and I was making my decision, I knew I wanted to do it, but it was very scary. You know, at that point I had a six figure salary, good benefits. Nobody wanted me to go because, you know, good people are needed companies need good people yeah and me not being fully you know trying something new I've never done before I've never run a business on my own before not being sure okay is that gonna work out just coming back to those decisions that I made like I moved across the country I ended a marriage that you know was started in a role and you practiced and you just got better at it and and, yeah exactly right and do all those things and I figured it out I can figure my business out. So definitely, yes, it did help. Awesome. Resilience is really the key ingredient in success and having that gritty kind of personality of just keep going, but also knowing when to let go, right? So there is that fine balance because you could have been like, no, I'm staying in this marriage. We came here together. We're going to like battle it out. So just Mm -hmm. sticking to and then also knowing when to let go. Yeah. 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 
So now what? So you've started your business. Tell us a little bit about it. Where can people find you? What do you what do you do? You know, who if someone wants to connect with you? Tell us all the things about Maggie today. <laughs> so yes, my business. I'm a business and leadership coach. So I help entrepreneurs, mostly service-based, grow their businesses, you know, exceed their goals, really give them clarity and tools on how to exceed their goals in their business in a sustainable way, become like a high-performing CEOs. Because one thing I didn't share, I did go through a corporate burnt out down the line four years ago. That wasn't fun. I truly believe that you can grow your business and at the same time, create a harmony in your life and not subscribe to that always busy hustling energy. And you can have even actually better results when you're more more in balance and more in tune with, I think, like the human harmony and not like that work, work, work culture. So that's what I do. And the best way to find me is either through my website, stairwaytoleadership.com, or on my social media, like Instagram or LinkedIn, I'm under my name, Maggie Perotin. Those are the best ways. Excellent. Oh my goodness. I loved hearing this story. I have a soft spot for new arrivals to the country. You know, obviously, um, I married an immigrant and, and sponsored him to come here. And he faced so many of those similar challenges that you did of wanting, quote unquote, Canadian experience mm-hmm. and really just needing somebody to give him an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you have for anybody listening right now who is established in their career or in their business and has the opportunity to help other people? What are some things that you would recommend or suggest they think about when they're looking at some other people? I would say think outside of the box. Don't get stuck on people needing to have certain hard skills or certain education or certain experience because most of the skills that actually make people successful in this economy are transferable. It's about thinking critically and looking for new ways to work like outside of the work ethic and so on, thinking of new ways to improve and so on. And actually people who have different experience different background, they think differently. They will see things that you're not seeing or your current employees are not seeing and so on. And don't, yes, the resumes are important, but at the same time, there's people who just don't have the great skill of writing a resume. So what, right? If there is look for things that stand out for you from the some experiences that they have and not just what company they worked for, how long and so on. And then if there is another, bring the person and just talk to them and meet them as a human being, like get to know them as a human being. And that always worked for me in interviews and looking at resumes, just thinking outside of the box, looking how the experience that people had could be transposed into what I needed and then giving them a chance and talking to them. And as I said, my best employees ever were the ones where they weren't that perfect candidate where I just took a chance on them because I saw other things in them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And outside of the working world, you know, people from other places make wonderful friends (laughs) and build your network of people who aren't from here or Mm -hmm. you can lend a helping hand, you might Mm -hmm. be that one person for them that really just helps set them up for success. And and that's amazing. I'm sure your Canadian mom is so proud of all the things that you've accomplished, huh? 
I don't know. <laughs> she might be. <laughs> she might be with you. Yeah. All right, Maggie, thank you so much for joining me today. I loved our chat and your story. I think it really resonated for a lot of people because picking up and moving, we don't stay in one place anymore. A lot of people are migrating all over the world all the time. And so just, I love the story because it just shows, you know, what's possible when you believe in a dream that you have and you just kind of go for it, even when you do not know anything about what's going to be on the other side of that flight. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jessica, for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. If you love this episode, give us a like, a share. Tell us in the comments if you are somebody who picked up and moved across the country, world, city, and had to start over and what your experience was. Find us both on social media. I'm at jess.loves.life and come say hello. And if you have a story that you want to share, let me know. We're always looking for amazing people with awesome stories to come and share on the show. So that's it for me. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.